we're nearing one of the most magical winter experiences of the year in Minneapolis, the Luminary Lopet, which will be taking place on February 18th. Our friend and the executive director of the Lopet Foundation, Claire Wilson, shares tips and tricks of how you can get the most out of your luminary experience and what you can expect this year, which is nothing short of extraordinary, of course. But I've gotten ahead of myself. The City of Lakes Lopet Winter Festival, a completely different event, is this weekend. It's February 4th and 5th. There are spectating opportunities galore. You can take in some ski races, gush over the cute dogs that are skijoring. That means they're skiing along with their owner. And you can check out the Koob competition, which is said to be the game of Vikings. So I'm sure there's definitely going to be costumes involved. Minnesotans sure like their costumes. Prep the sled for the kids and find everybody's snow pants. You've got winter events to attend. Coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. A conversation about the great and sometimes not so great outdoors. I'm your host, Lynn Melling. And I'm Jody Gruen. And we do this for fun. Claire Wilson. It's been a minute it since has. we talked last. Uh, I think we were sweltering in the sun last time, outdoors. Yes. And I believe you were like kind of brand new to your role. I think I was very brand new. Yeah. I mean, I still have a little bit of that new executive director smell, but it's wearing off yeah. slightly now. I kind of think I noticed that when you yeah. walked in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what's changed from then till now in terms of your world and your understanding of the Lopet Foundation and... What, what have you been up to? You know, the foundation has been through such an interesting period. We have been, you know, really focused on our mission and values, which we have realigned, you know, as, as we came out of COVID and after the city experienced the murder of George Floyd, the foundation really, and I came in as a new leader and we got, you know, we hired many new staff. And so together we've all just been, putting our hearts and brains together to think about what the next iteration of the foundation is and looks like. And that's resulted in a new mission statement that's more aligned with our current work, Um, some new values that is aligned with where we are and our place as, you know, the largest regional park in the city. And our main goal really has become just to be the most welcoming and inclusive natural space in Minneapolis and you know I don't know we hope the nation we're just hard I think at the work world. yeah the world Why we'll not? say the world Conquer. I mean exactly <laughs> so um so that has been our focus we've been doing a lot of diversity equity and inclusion work we've been doing a lot of work in intentionally inviting folks into the space into our programming we've been partnering frantically with community partners to see what they would like and need and we've just realized that we want to be community driven community centered and uh, it's resulted in some really amazing programming here at the trailhead I mean including North High having their prom here we had prom a prom the North High prom it was beautiful they were beautiful they were all dressed better than I was for my wedding I mean it was just (laughs) remarkable but we also had a queer prom here like queer only prom which was also yep yep a disco ball and DJs and 
and and and and you know many many just groups coming to to hike to snowshoe to mountain bike to just experience the outdoors in the heart of the city so it's been really a very lovely two years I think for the foundation and um and I have just been so lucky to work with some of the greatest folks in the world here at the trailhead so it's the world now it is yes yeah um so with that I've noticed in, in, in this building, we're at the Trailhead building right now, just there is more warmth and a community feel. There's, you know, you have your mission and your values on the wall so everyone can see and I guess hold you accountable. That's exactly why they're up there. We want to be held accountable. Yeah. And then there's also games. I've noticed that there's <laughs> games. It's kind of just warms up the place. I've been here, you know, with families and they're here playing games and Exactly. We didn't want to be associated as just a place where you come to recreate or cross-country ski, right? We really wanted to be a resource. Uh, We have an art gallery now, right? So we've been featuring local BIPOC artists, uh, which has been fantastic. So yeah, I think I'm so happy to hear you say that because people often tell me that they've noticed a change in the environment here and that makes us happy. Yes, definitely. There's like a little crackling, cackling fire too, like oh, as yes. you walk in the building. I don't know, you have it, you have it all. Um, so, we, okay, so we've talked a bit kind of about sort of the, the forward momentum of the foundation. You have some big events coming up though, correct? Oh, absolutely. So this weekend we have our signature winter festival, um, which, you know, this foundation, its roots, its DNA, its origin story is in connecting this park to downtown and to uptown Minneapolis. So when we were founded, the first thing that we did was produce a race that where you could ski from Theodore Worth to uptown. And we put snow down on Hennepin and racers raced. Well, of course, <laughs> as with every year, there were weather challenges, et cetera, <laughs> even from the beginning. But the idea was it was a point to point race mm-hmm. that connected Theodore Worth um, to uptown. And so that one race grew, that one marathon, the, the urban marathon ski race grew into a festival weekend. So this weekend we'll have, you know, marathon skate and classic cross country ski races. We'll have a Kube tournament at Udapels. We'll have fat tire biking, skajoring, uh, and my personal favorite, which is the next generation race where um, our youth in our school-based programs and community members come together for some kids' races that are just so much fun to watch. And we just support all the kids who we've been working with all year. And to see them and their families and the spectators out, and they get such a sense of accomplishment from, you know, skiing here at Worth, which can be, is challenging. It is. So they get to see some of their first big hills and they get, you know, um, to experience what it's like to, to participate on in some level in a cross-country ski race. So, yeah, it's going to be super fun weekend. We've got over now close to 3,000 people registered in all those wow. events. and Yeah. Wow. Okay, you mentioned two things that I just want to clear up and mm. understand what they are. Skijoring. Yes. This sounds like a fancy word from maybe another country. Exactly. Well, yes, you've called me out. I'm not sure I don't know what, what, yeah. what the root <laughs> of skijoring is. Um, you can just explain and, what yes. it is. Yes, but it is, first of all, the funnest thing in the world to watch. But it is where you attach a dog to the, a dog is attached to the skier. And so the skier skis with the dog leading them. So sort of, you know, kind of like dog sledding, except you're on skis. And really people who are good skijorers, um, can 
really get going very yes. fast. And then and then folks who are kind of, you know, new to it or really recreational skajors, it's just really fun to watch them and their dogs. <laughs> so it's your own personal dog. It's your You're own not personal like, dog. And these dogs you are personally training. Oh them yeah. Many of them just you. bring their yeah, I mean it's just They're their pet? dogs. Yeah. Huh. Um and it's it's a very simple equipment. I mean it's just a, a little harness and um so as we saw with many other activities during COVID, scajoring became more uh-huh. popular, right? Because A, people got dogs, and B, people got more into outdoors and skiing, etc. So yeah, scajoring is um, a joy to watch. And then the folks who do the, like the 10K point-to-point race scajoring, it's a, it's a national field that comes to okay. do that. So yeah, we have some very serious skajors here. And then we have lots of people who just learn this winter and will bring their dogs and do a, you know, a 5K and just okay. have fun. So I didn't realize that I was skajoring with my pug um, <laughs> last year when I took the, my, my dog out. So You were 100% I was skajoring. Totally skajoring. Okay, I didn't know that I had the skill. All right. <laughs> you also mentioned Koob? Yes, Koob. So Koob Oh, I do not, I should know the country from whence Coop came. Callers can let, or <laughs> listeners can let us know. Um, it is an outdoor game played with giant wooden blocks. And uh, it is the first thing to fill during the festival. We have multiple cube teams who come out for this really? cube festival. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like professional? Um, there's a, there's a competitive bracket, oh. and then there's kind of a recreational oh, bracket. Okay. So yes, we have some very serious coup players, and uh, and it is very fun to watch as well. It's a fun spectator sport. Is it like bowling, sort of, or? You're knocking it's these pins kind of down, a, Yeah, right? you're yeah. knocking the pins down. And I'm not going to do Kube justice because I am not a Kube expert. Okay. So but people can just it's look kind it of up. A, it's strategy. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit more probably entailed than bowling. But yeah. Okay. All right. So with these things, there's all of these races happening at different times. If I'm not participating in a race, am I able to go you know, watch the skajoring or watch the kids or oh, watch absolutely. The, the competitive field? Saturday here at the Trailhead, so this Saturday, February the 5th, um, there will be, or 4th, sorry. Um, yes, races start here and spectators are welcome to come, grab a beer at the Trailhead, grab chili, hang out, watch the races. Um, and then for the longer, for the marathon races, those are still point to point. So they start on Cedar Lake. Oh, so okay. Cedar is a great place to go watch the start of the races. And those start, we, we run point to point races pretty much between nine and 11, both Saturday and Sunday. So you can catch so, something. Oh, absolutely. And it's so fun to cheer the skiers yeah. on, um, yeah. at the lakes. Typically we ski all the chain of lakes. Um, but the challenges with the ice this year made that difficult. And then the connection through the Kenilworth Channel has been disrupted because of the oh, light rail. So we won't sure. be able to ski. Typically, it's Bidet Madaska, Lake of the Isles, Cedar, Brownie, and then you hop up into Worth. Okay. Um, but this year, they'll start on Cedar. Okay. Sounds like fun. It is very fun. Okay. So you've got this this weekend, and in a couple weeks... There is what many people deem their most favorite night of winter in Minnesota. Can you please tell us what it, this night is? So all the about? Luminary Lopet is, in fact, and I know that I am biased, but uh, it is the most magical night of the year in Minneapolis. So Lake of the Isles is transformed into, you know, a wonderland of ice features 
that take volunteers over a month to prepare. And these are elaborate luminaries. These are not, of course, there are many, many luminaries. There are, there are 1,400 luminaries that are the size and shape of the ones you typically think of. These sort of bucket luminaries, candlelit. But there's also giant features. There's an enchanted forest. And, um, you know, you can ski along the lake. You can walk along the lake. And there's the, you know, the Minneapolis skyline right behind you yeah. and the entire lake lit up by candle. And it is... It is incredible. Yeah. What I also love about it, too, is that it can be a very quiet, serene experience, or it can be kind of a wild party. You can take your pick, <laughs> because in addition to the luminary and the quiet meditation on the lake, we host a big party. Um, so luminary ticket holders get a free beer, and then there's typically a great band that plays, and folks just... Yeah, they party. They yeah, party after yeah. they luminary. Um, yeah. Some people come just for the peace and quiet of the lake. Others come for both. Um, some can you can just come for the party if that's your jam. But uh, but it is the features on the lake. We were we were starting to make them this weekend, and it is just the making of these luminaries is a magical experience. Mm. I mean, it takes hundreds of volunteers to fill the buckets, and then the engineers who from whose minds the luminaries sprang, have created all types of basically machines to make this work. So they have what they call the water cow, which is a piece of equipment made to fill the luminary buckets to exactly the right level so that all of the buckets freeze at the same time. We're talking about 1,400 wow. buckets. And they the machine is like pulls water up from the lake like it's it is made for this particular event and it's incredible so you know one night there's a hundred people there filling the buckets and hanging the buckets and then the very next morning everybody wakes up and another hundred people come out and they've created this system where there's these long buckets of water that are heated again by generators and it's like specially designed just for these buckets and that water is full of ping pong balls. And so volunteers are bringing the buckets, sticking the buckets in the hot water, dumping the buckets. And then there's a whole other line of volunteers with these special drills, drilling holes in the luminaries. And then they've created you know, a hole in the ice where you then dump it. So it's all going back into the lake. And then Aww. high schoolers come out and haul the luminaries away so they can be stored until the event. I mean, it is quite the production. And uh, so when people come to the Luminary, and 18,000 people will come this year, uh, they can just know that these, these features and these luminaries were made with love and care. <laughs> yeah, well, and mechanical engineering. Yeah, and, and some It very, doesn't just come together. No, no, no. Every feature, you know, people ooh and on are like, oh, how did they get the candles in there? How did this, you know, and it's, it's engineering. It is, you know... Mm -hmm some retired 3M engineers who all came together and were like, we can make magic. Oh, that's so cool. All right, so I noticed, I looked at last year's Facebook page and I looked at this year's Facebook page, event page, and I noticed that your attendance for like the RSVPs is up like, I don't know, 5K. Why do you think that is? Why, why are people seeking out events like this? I think the Luminary in particular is so unique in that there are so few events in the city at night mm, that feel right. like a, a really sweet place to be with your yeah, family, cozy. that are cozy, mm -hmm. that are both, 
you know, an opportunity to appreciate some really incredible art, but also really appreciate community being out together that's outdoors. I mean, how many events take place outdoors at night in the deep heart of winter? <laughs> it's just not in the middle of a city. In the middle of the city. Yeah. So I think people really appreciate that. I think word just spread. I mean, once you saw it, you were yeah. you really this are. Is true. It's yeah. not hyperbole. I yeah. mean, it's really <laughs> awe-inspiring. Um, and so word is spread about that. I mean, we have people who fly in mm -hmm. from all over the country to attend. It's really become a nat it's been on the national radar for a while. Um, and so and and I think and hope that people are just craving community-based experiences that are simple. I mean, it is not simple. It's a very complicated <laughs> event to put on. It's a goal and experience. But it is, a sim it is a simple experience. Yeah. It's all candlelight. There's nothing plugged in. There's no, it is really just, and of course, you know, if the lake is big enough that even though that many folks come, mm -hmm. we spread them out through waves and you really can find yourself alone on that lake yeah. without too much trouble. Yeah. Well, and all the installations throughout the lake are so different from one another that you have a different experience throughout the entire evening. You know, like, there are there fire dancers again this there year? There will be fire dancers. Oh, there will be the penguins and the polar bear. And, you know, last year a new feature was these uh, teardrop uh, luminaries that were hanging from oh, the sky. Yes. And those, there'll be a brand new, I won't reveal what it will be, but there'll be a new feature that, uh, that highlights those. Again, the making of those, just an incredible experience. I mean, hundreds of volunteers filling water balloons in negative three degree weather on the lake. It just, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think there's always something a little different every year too, which okay. draws people back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, always weather dependent. You know, some years some of the features work, some years they don't. But um, but there's always something inspiring. How about a musical installation? That's what I remember last year. An ice. Yes, there was <gasps> ice was music. So Wasn't cool. that cool? Yes. Um, that particular ice music will not be here this year, but there will be a different. Another one? Yes. All right. Cool. Some type of music. All right. Well, one thing that I did want to ask you about, because this is sort of a pattern that we're seeing in a lot of Minnesota events, not just Minnesota, any place that experiences winter is climate. Mm -hmm. And you had to do a little um, change magic to this particular event. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. This year, like everyone else in Minnesota, we were experiencing really challenging ice conditions. So you know, when you look out your window right now, you think, oh, it's the perfect winter, there's plenty of snow, it's been cold. Um, but for us, being dependent on the ice depth being at a certain level, right, on Lake of the Isles to support this many people, as well as what was needed to construct the features, we weren't getting there early on in the winter because we'd had so much snow, creating a very thick layer of slush mm. over the ice, so it was insulating the ice. So. There was the challenge of the ice not freezing, and then there was the second challenge of not really being able to work on the lake because there was so much slush. And, you know, the Lopit can-do attitude, we all went out there, about 80 of us, <laughs> early on with snowshoes and tried to stamp that slush down. And Wait, you were going across the lake? Oh, yeah. Trying we, to we tried to stomp the, the slush down. We did. We did. And 
bless our hearts, we did it. <laughs> Until the head engineer came out and was like, this is a fool's errand. <laughs> and we were like, well, we're, but we did, we did successfully flatten some of the lake. Um, but we did have to make the, the hard call to postpone. There was no way we would have been able to do it this weekend, the way the conditions were a couple of weeks ago. But, I, and this is, you know, it's been the same with this race for the past couple of years and we just anticipate both the race and the festival they're just being challenges um because we're you know we are losing winter yeah. it's just a fact of the matter and so um we're doing everything we can here one of our big initiatives has been the lopit environmental action program which um has been hard at work this year looking at ways to offset our carbon footprint particularly mm. from snow making because right. of course we're in the unique position of drawing a lot from the grid yeah. to make snow because of climate change so we're trying to do a little bit of work to correct that um so definitely exploring solar on this building which I hopefully we'll be able to have you, next I wonder year if those 3N um, engineers yes. could volunteer and they, do a little well, solar project you know with the passage of the infrastructure bill and yeah. some of the changes to the way solar is being financed it used to be such that nonprofits really, there wasn't an incentive because you got tax credits. Mm -hmm. um, but now they are, they're reimbursing nonprofits essentially for solar. So we are hard at work exploring that and hoping to get that together um, shortly. And, and then other ways too, you know, zero waste events and all of the energy efficiencies we can find here at the trailhead. And so we are doing our part to try to, you know, be hard at work on addressing climate yeah. change, but we are going to see its impacts. And yeah. I, I have a great fear that in a decade, cross-country skiing will be limited to, you know, artificial snow. And Yeah. I was going to ask about that. How do you plan strategically for the future with regards to climate? Like, do you think of, I was reading articles about how they were bringing in helicopters of snow onto the Swiss Alps and how they've shut down certain ski resorts or they've made them into zip lines mm -hmm. instead of... Um, you know, the, the, the chairlifts, you know, doing those types of things to be able to still run a business. I mean, how, what do you see the future potentially looking like? Would you put in some zip lines? <laughs> you know, that's such an interesting question. We've been thinking about that a great deal. And that's, that's one reason why we've really leaned into thinking about this space as much more than just Nordic skiing, yeah. right? So, you know, we've invested in the, we have a small alpine learning hill where you can learn to snowboard or alpine ski, or you can come if you are already experienced and have some fun, yeah. do the features. Um, we can make snow for that as well as for the tubing hill. So we've really been trying to encourage people to think of us as a winter recreation, mm -hmm. you know, destination beyond just the skiing. We, of course, had my predecessor and others had the forethought to really put in a very solid snowmaking loop. So we will have Nordic skiing yeah. here because, you know, until it gets very drastic temperature wise, we can make snow um, with a thick enough base for it to stick around. But I think we are just continually thinking about how do we create equitable access to the outdoors and how does that create an environment where all boats rise and it's really a connection to the outdoors, no matter what that looks right. like that's right. driving people here. Right. Yeah, and I guess it doesn't matter if there's snow or not. It's still a beautiful place to walk around, to enjoy you and You can experience. bike, you can yeah. hike. If there's, you know, now, of course, you can rent snowshoes and fat tire bikes and all of those things from us. But, yeah, moving forward, that may look different as well. Yeah. All right, going back to the luminary, 
I would love to know if you have any like tips and tricks for a really good experience oh. or a way that you like to experience it. That's, I should say and. That's a, yes, that's a wonderful question. I would say like most outdoor activities, um, you know, dressing for it is critical. So you just need to make sure that you have your layers on, there's no cotton touching you because even if it's a balmy 20 outside, it's cold on the lake mm -hmm. and you're walking or skiing through the snow. So you want to make sure that you got your wool socks on and if you have long underwear, long underwear, just that you're prepared that it's cold on the lake. The lake is windy, it's exposed. Mm -hmm. um, and especially if you have little ones, you'll only make it so far around the lake right. if everybody's cold. Yeah. Uh, we do have hot cocoa stops. Um, I personally love to ski the luminary. Like I love to put on classic or, uh, you know, stride the, the luminary and there's a great ski path to ski it, but you know, walking it is wonderful as well. And again, just make sure you have on your winter boots or some shoes that can handle being out in the cold. And then I would say once you get on the lake, sort of beeline for a feature that's a little less crowded and then mm -hmm. start to just enjoy it at your own pace. Mm -hmm. um, of course, there are going to be some features that are crowded just because they're so beautiful and everybody wants to stop and right, take pictures right, right. and like that's wonderful. Um, but definitely try to get a moment or two alone as much as you can on the lake because it really, it, you realize what a profound experience it is and how rare it is to have that experience. Yeah. Aww. So beautiful. I know that one thing that saved me last year, even with kids that were a little older, was having a sled. Just bringing a oh, sled along. Oh, good point, Jody. Yes. Because even a 10-year-old gets tired and you yes. want to keep going and you can pull that sled around the lake with no problem. That is such a great point because it is, it's a little bit of ways around the lake, yeah. right? You know, it's and a then there's miles, parking. You're having right? to walk you from the parking spot. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole, so... Tip, 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 take Metro Transit. Metro Transit oh. gives us free passes for this event. They do, okay. You can get a free pass for the bus, and in particular this year, because Minneapolis has these parking restrictions oh, where you can great. only park on the even side, I beg of everyone, please take advantage of the Metro Transit free pass and take a bus to the Luminary, because it is, parking will be difficult, you will have to park far away. Yes. Um, so be prepared. Indeed. All right. And bring a little thermos of something hot to drink. I think that's helpful, too. Mm -hmm. All right. You heard it from Claire Wilson, from, directly from her mouth. Tips and tricks for experiencing the Luminary Luppet. Coming up on, what's the date? February 18th. February 18th. And then this weekend, the races... Yes, all really, honestly, activities will be happening from 9 to 3, both days. All right. And then don't forget to visit the trailhead any time of day any time of year, any moment in time. It's one of the best places that uh, you can spend your time. Come visit us. We Do This For Fun is supported by 515 Productions, a high-end video production business based in Minneapolis. The website is 515productions.com. And did you know that Jody is also a health and wellness coach? Check out her website at jodygruen.com. If you like this podcast, we'd love your support. Please rate and review us and hit subscribe. Learn more about us at wedothisforfun.com. As always, we welcome your questions and feedback. Email us at wedothisforfun at gmail.com. We'll be dedicating future episodes to answering your questions. So let her rip, whether it's about gear purchases or tampons and IBS in the wilderness. We do not judge. We promise we've been there, done that. Nothing is off the table. And thanks for listening. <laughs>